It's time for the Recruitment Marketing Rebelcast. This is the show for all you recruitment marketing rebels out there who are done with posting, prey, and recruitment funnels. Are you ready to bring real change to talent acquisition? Come for the voice of the candidate and stay for the snark. It's time for real talk from the front lines of the talent revolution with your hosts, Alin Bailey and Tracy Parsons. Um, good afternoon, Miss Tracy. Hi, Lynn. How are you? I'm good. I'm less sick than last week, although I have a sick kid. And uh, but that's okay because you know it just means that he spends a lot of time close to me. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> See, I'm not interested in that anymore. She can go over to her own side of the couch if she's sick. It's just going to yeah. carry back over to me. Oh yeah. I mean that's that's our reality. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, no, I'm feeling better too. I, up until this morning when we got ready to get on the call and all of a sudden I'm feeling congested and all coffee. So I'm going to try not to hack up a lung as we go today. Please this don't, may, please don't. Yeah, that would be like a bad thing to do. Because <laughs> so it really would be, you don't make me laugh. I can't. Oh, like sorry. Because then it's going to be like, you know, welcome to the hacking podcast. And not that kind of hacking. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> It's a new kind of hackathon. <laughs> exactly. Oh, my goodness. Okay. So I'm actually super excited that you brought up this topic because it is a, uh, oh, I have so many things to say, plus like a million different pet peeves in this area that I can't so even. So this will make about. it really fun. Yeah, exactly. So we're going to talk candidate nurturing. Yes. Which I think hot topic. One, because it's like the word nurturing is like everywhere. I have to tell you, <laughs> five years ago, nobody knew what the freaking word was. Now they're all saying it like they know what it means. And everybody thinks they're doing it, wants to do it. Every vendor's trying to sell me a tool on how to do it. And at the end of the day, I still think nobody fully understands what the heck it is. Well, and I, I, I agree. I think that there's a, a lot of spin in this area. Uh, I think there's a lot of, Oh, it's nurturing when, uh, you know, an automated thank you mail is not nurturing. Um, so there's, you know, I think there's a lot of meat here. Um, we, we've, we might have to continue this conversation over and over again. It might have to be a regular feature. Um, but it is something that's on the top of everybody's mind, right? Everybody wants to understand how we can better, uh, be communicating and nurturing and educating our talent, because I think there's a lot of value in having better educated, people in our applicant tracking system because we've done a hell of a job nurturing them before they apply. What? Craziness. Okay. I know. It's novel. It's adorable. (laughs) How cute you are. I know. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So you're telling me. I'm telling you. You're telling me, if I'm understanding you correctly, that nurturing isn't just about keeping them warm until I force them to apply. There's something else there. Yes, there there is something else there. And that is, I think that is one of the common uh, misperceptions. And I will tell you that um, I feel a little responsible for a lot of the, a lot of the misunderstanding here. I remember in 2008, um, I was again, working for myself, working for PSD and I had a customer and we discovered the need to devise and design a keep warm strategy. Like we, and it was mostly for silver medalists because we didn't have 
CRMs back in the day. We had ATSs. And so it really was about keeping them warm. And the keep warm strategy, even back then, Alin, was around educating them, right? It was like, it wasn't, hey, we don't have anything available for you right now. It was more like, we think you're really cool. Here are some of the reasons that we think we're cool too, that you might get something out of. Um, But again, this was for people who've applied and we've evolved. Like we've evolved to the point where we have talent communities and talent networks. We have this pre-apply state and we have a lot of people who are, uh, I'm not even going to say passive because I hate that word, but a lot of people who are interested in a company and want to learn more about that company before they make that leap of right. applying. Right. So right. there, these, this whole CRM nature, it, uh, the whole CRM marketplace makes a ton of sense, but we just don't seem to be latching on to the power of it and how we can use it to help people make good decisions. I, I love that. So I think a couple of things that you're pointing out here is, is really important for everybody to kind of grasp onto. So first is that we've evolved right? Evolution <laughs> is a good thing, right? And we're, we're, we're not going to take like a, you know, a, a stance one way or the other. I don't care what your belief systems are, but I'm going to tell you evolution is a good thing. We've evolved. And based on that evolution, we now have capabilities and an under, not only capabilities, but an understanding of what's possible. And if we put those two things together, we can start reimagining and start realigning our perception of what things are. So yes, in the beginning, in the beginning, right, of time, nurturing when it first really became a thing was about how do I not allow people to fall into the black hole of my ATS? Yes. How do I keep them warm enough so that when I want to reach out to them, they're willing to to receive my email, my phone call, my reach out, right? Yeah. Um, and And how do I... Um, And then we evolved to the next place where we said, oh, it's not just about keeping them warm. Maybe we also need to just communicate with them along the way. So how is it? How do I make sure um, that I build a strategy that gives them insight and information about where they are in the process of hiring? So then I start to integrate my communicate my my process communications into it. And then the next evolution came up and we said, hey, maybe. Right. We could use all those people. Just maybe we could use all those people in the ATS that we've been trying to kind of at least keep warm a little bit. And let's shoot them job alerts whenever we have a job that our algorithm says is within the three million parameter, um, you know, country that they live in. Right. We like have like right. Right. They work great. But those were and we and we packaged all that up and we said that is nurturing. What I think you're pointing out, or at least my pet peeve is, I think that's where many of us froze. Yeah. Where we said, oh, okay. So now I have my communication strategy around the hiring process set up. And so I am done with that nurturing, right? (laughs) And we've evolved and that evolution took us to the ability to do the whole, uh, to deal with people who were Mm pre-apply. And if those people who evolved into that space, they started to talk a little bit about how do I use my nurturing to get people to apply, right? So that was the main purpose. So if you're at the next stage of evolution, it's um, I not only talk about my process with you now, but I also talk about how to push you into my apply. Um, 
but if we're really going to get to where nurturing is valuable, it's doing what you just said, which is thinking about this entire population of people who I now have data and information on in my CRM and my, like, however I'm capturing them into my database. And some of them are going to be great applicants someday. Some of them are going to be just really great advocates for me. And some of them are just people who are hanging out because they're interested in who I am. And that's okay too. But I have to have a nurturing strategy that encompasses all those different types of population and, and what I want to do with them. Well, and if you, it, we've kind of, we've kind of taken this word that it, I, I just Googled the definition of nurture and the definition of nurture is to care for and encourage the growth or development of. That right. does not mean informing somebody of your process. So that's not in itself nurture, right? Nurture right. is to care for and encourage the growth and development of somebody. So if we're encouraging the growth and development of our candidates or our leads or wherever they are, we really aren't focused on their growth and development. We're really focused on converting an application. So we we need to stop thinking about that because the the applicate that transaction of the application is a natural output of excellent caring for and encouraging the growth or development of someone. Right. Right. This is why this is such a pet peeve area for me in a place where I really am hoping we can start to move the industry and understanding the difference here. The difference is whether you are thinking about nurturing as a way to manage the communication around your transactions or whether you're fully mm -hmm. understanding that nurturing is the engagement, the two-way engagement and dialogue that you participate in with your candidate pool that allows you to build a relationship with them over time. So you said the most important thing, as far as I'm concerned, in any of this conversation, two-way. Yep. We. I don't think, so I think that, Alin, you're on the cusp of the next evolution of that. Um, we are still very, very mired down in one way. And you can look at that based on everybody's from email address in a quote unquote nurture campaign is do not respond at company.com. Right. This right. Is, yeah. This is it the, has to be two way. Right. This is the quintessential. If you want to ask. So I, I have a big spiel that I do on this. If you guys haven't seen it, I can go off for hours on this. Right. <laughs> but if you want to wonder whether or not you are acting as a valuable relationship partner with your candidates, or if you are being a sociopath, look at the exit line of your emails and your communication. Does it say this is a do not respond email address? You're a sociopath, right? Why? Because your main goal is how can I manipulate this relationship in a way that gets you to tell me everything I want to know about you so that well, when I want it, so it's a value to me, so I get what I need, and I could care less what your needs are. That's that what that a, says. That is a bold statement. I like that. I And I endorse it. And it's so funny because you'll see all this data. Um, everybody talks about, like, the crappy response rates for email. And, and of course, they're crappy. We have trained people to delete everything. <laughs> That's 
Right. Right. We have trained people. Like I was, I was laughing my butt off the other day because I was producing a report for a customer and we just, we just did a newsletter and it was a very, very basic newsletter, but it had, you know, a 56% open rate, a 10% click through rate. And I still think 10% is sad. Like it is the saddest, saddest little stat that 10% of people, that 10 people out of every 100 that I communicated with went somewhere. We give awards for that. I know, but the industry average is 2.3%, Alin, and we've trained people that we are just, that this is a push medium only. We are just going to uh, spam you and bombard you or communicate with you, but not to us. And so then you'll see all this data around text response rates, right? And text response rates are so high. So if you text campaign somebody, blah, blah, blah. They are higher response rates. You know why? We have not trained somebody yet to delete all those texts, but it's coming. Um, especially those texts that you get from people that are, or, or from robots that are like you text and then they text and they, you text, and then they just go dead and you don't answer the question. They didn't answer the question. Then yeah. that's basically not replying, right? So, this is ba- basically what you're saying is I'm going to text you to get all the information that I can from you. And then I'm going to ignore you once I have everything I want. But I'm going to feel better about it because I pretended I was a human being when I did it. Correct. Uh, I know. Yeah, I think something you're pointing out in this is actually um, I'm having an aha moment during this conversation. Oh, so yeah. So this may end up being really valuable information out to everybody, or it could just be, oh, a lens off on a tangent. But, but what if I pose this to you? What if I said part of our challenges in this next step of evolution towards nurturing, if we really want to move to a place where we start to understand and not be sociopaths, but actually build relationships to provide value on both sides of the dialogue, that we not only have to think differently about what it is and why we're reaching out and what we're trying to do in terms of nurturing, the only way it will work is if we actually start encompassing and incorporating more channels to have this dialogue with. If yeah. we continue to just use the email or even the, the the fast iteration of email, which is text messaging, we have, it's not that those things are inherently bad. It's that we have over time trained the population um, so much to think of those as one way forgettable interactions and dialogues are not going to interact back with us. So how do we, how do we think about not only thinking about new ways to reach out and why to nurture people, build good strategy around it, but also understand to do it, we're going to have to put new, we're going to have to put new channels into that space to drive that sort of engagement. Yeah. Well, I mean, that same customer that I was building a keep warm strategy for, we took them into social, uh, took them onto Facebook in the very early iterations of having an employer on Facebook. And I told their leader at the time, I was like, you cannot go on any of these channels unless you have a plan to respond. So think about this, right? So you can call support, you can text support, but when I, so when I get stuck and I, I get, I fly all the time and God bless Delta airlines, they're the best airline out there. Shout out to Delta airlines, also unpaid sponsor of this podcast. Uh Um, but I'm not kidding. I got stuck in an airport not too long ago. I was not flying Delta because they didn't fly direct or I was flying Delta. I got stuck and they booked me on another airline via Twitter in 10 minutes. Everybody was else was still waiting in their line, still waiting to talk to the gauge agent. Meanwhile, I'm marching across the airport with my new ticket because of Twitter. 
Right. And they have a plan to respond. And th- this is why aren't we doing more of this in our space? And all I hear from people is like, well, that I just don't have the people to do that. And back when we did it in like 08, 09, it was literally a recruiter's job 30 minutes a day to go in and answer questions on Facebook. Right. And that's what it, they did. Right. It was not hard. And it built a relationship. We got additional information. Their quality of candidate increased, I want to say, 400% after we changed that single thing in their strategy, they got right. better candidates because they were what everybody now more educated. Absolutely. But what that requires is it requires us to understand that these new, te- all this new technology is coming in, all these new capabilities to automate. They're not, yes, great. They are a uh, uh, value add on your cost center, right? Um, yeah. They allow you to do things at scale, which is fabulous, right? But if you allow them to just be ways in which you become faster and quicker at doing the same bullshit you've been doing already, mm-hmm. you're, you're, you're missing the game. If instead you use the opportunity to take those things, allow them to automate the stuff that can be automated and free up your time to go and break the fourth wall. Yes. Get, get out of, it's okay, guys, right? And, this is, and part, part of this is about time. Part of this is about our <laughs> angst about, you know, we're, we're all maybe a little bit introverted. We don't want to admit it, right? And part of it is because we have legal departments who we are afraid of and who have been battering us around and we just have become so, we're making up our own rules just to make legal happy now, right? Mm-hmm. Instead, what we got to do is take a step back and go, it's not about process. It's not about systems. It's not about algorithms. It's about people. People connecting with people and that's going to win the game. So how do you break the fourth wall and get out there and do it? What's the worst that's going to happen? I'm going to tell you a little secret. I did something. Um, and, and if anybody, luckily nobody listens to, the, to me on this podcast and my own organization, so they won't realize that we did this. So shh, shh, don't tell anybody. So we had, just think about those generic emails that we send out, right? That mm-hmm. say, you know, thank you for applying the, mm. the, the blank talent organization thanks you. Yes. Right? That's not, that, that, that immediately allows us to distance ourselves even further. First, I'm sending an automated email, and then I'm sending a disembodied automated email from some weird organization Entity. I've never heard of, right? At a minimum, I believe in order for us to start breaking down and getting towards that fourth wall, names needed to go on those emails. Yes. So if a recruiter is assigned to... A um, to a requisition in our ATS system and the disposition note goes out. Now, for the last mm, eight to nine months, their name is going out on that disposition letter. Yes. Guess what? They didn't even know I did it and they don't realize it's happening and nobody's bitching about it because the truth is people aren't going to, we're all afraid they're all going to start calling you up and bitching at you. Oh my God, exactly. I hate you. You didn't like me. Right. Nobody has called anybody. Nobody, they're, they're, they are not being inundated with 3 million um, unhappy or potential candidates trying to get at them, right? This is the same story of how many talent people do you know out there don't allow people to connect with them on LinkedIn? I know. It's amazing. Oh oh my God, they may ask me for a job. Okay. Guess what? Have your generic. Great. They ask you for a job. Tell them, thank you so much. I'm glad you're interested. How much time did that take me to say? And mm-hmm. here, this is how you go apply for a job. It's it's a message. It's a cut and paste. You use yes. it. It hurts you none. It helps them a lot. 
and it builds a relationship. And guess what? You can be a human. That is a novel approach. I was fun. It's so funny, Lynn. I went to, um, I was at a customer site earlier, uh, earlier this year and I was doing this session, telling them some best practices. And I was like, now the, the one that you're going to all squish at, you're going to get all squishy about is that any email, even if it's automated needs to come from you, from your, from, and they were just like, Oh my God, well, what am I going to do when all these people respond to it and reply to it and talk to me? I was like, well, <laughs> first of all, that's not going to happen. I will tell you, I've been doing this for a long time. It does happen. It just doesn't happen in the mass that you think it is. So once you get past that, let me tell you the other thing. You have an opportunity to build a relationship with this person. And even if they were rejected by you, even if this was a disposition, they're going to remember your name as the person that responded to them after thousands of people have never responded to them. They're going to remember your name and they're going to remember your company and they're going to remember it positively. In fact, they might go out on social media to talk about this great thing that happens to me when I got rejected by a job and an actual person responded to me. Now exactly. you have more brand cachet. So once you can get over the fact that very few people are going to yell at you via email, and if they do, there is this very cool button on your computer keyboard that says delete. You just hit that button. Right. You are not obligated to respond to hate mail. Correct. Correct. And as I tell people, just don't feed trolls, right? You're, if they're trolling you, they're trolling you. That's okay. You can delete. Now, I will occasionally respond to the troll that emails me about something that they didn't like that I sent them. And I'll tell them, hey, I missed the mark. I'm so sorry. It was not my intention to disrupt your day. It was actually, I thought this would be useful for you. I see that it is not, but please accept my apologies. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So it's a person. It's a person. So number one, people, if you do nothing else, as you're listening to this podcast, I would like to challenge you to go in and look at how you communicate, how, what, door do you close before you even start because you don't allow people to engage back with you. Two-way is essential. If you can figure that piece out, you're moving down a really positive path. You are doing something that 99.9% of the people are not doing today because they are afraid to allow people to talk to them. Yeah. Number one. And Number you're one. nurturing them. You're caring for and encouraging the growth or development of someone. Right. So I think we're probably going to have to go into this in a second podcast, but I'd like to tease it up with um, talking to you a little bit about um, uh, the idea of purposefully planning how you are going to um, uh, navigate somebody through um, your relationship with them and and this Mm -hmm. idea of building nurturing plans. And so the reason I want to talk to you about this, Tracy, is um, so for those of you guys who don't know, um, Tracy and I first met when I was um, uh, early on in, in my exploration um, around what talent acquisition meant and what we were trying to do in this space. And I came to this world as an experienced designer, and that was what I did. And I had spent months and months and months inside my own organization, even outside, listening to a lot of stuff from a talent ac- listening to talent acquisition people talk about what they did. But with my experienced designer hat on thinking, this is crazy ass shit. What the hell are they doing? This has nothing to do with anything real. And then I was sitting in a meeting 
Um, and I got entered. They, they, they trotted Tracy in because they were trying to make um, me feel good that we had, they had this really new person on their team. And they said, we want you to meet Tracy. She's awesome. And she's going to talk to you about building a recruitment marketing plan. And I was like, okay, let's meet Tracy. And Tracy sat down. And the first thing she did in our conversation is she said, let's start talking about what it is, what's your goal with this relationship with people and how do you start building a complex structure of if-then statements, things that can happen during your engagement with them that then drive them into different actions and pre-planning out what all those actions could be and setting up an infrastructure to manage that. And my little my, my little heart went pitter-patter. I went, <laughs> oh, my God. It's, it's somebody who understands that you purposely design experiences to drive the engagement and relationship that you're looking for. And she understands that you can use all these tools and technologies to build a purposeful engagement plan. And I got so excited. Um, and since then, I've been like your biggest groupie and following well, around. Well, right back at you. What do we do? Yeah. So that well, it's, said, it's advancing the relationship. It. Yeah. So it's really, that's how you do it. And it's, we have all these tools, but it gets to the why. Like, why do you want this? What is the goal? What are you trying to accomplish? And it, it is about relationships and, you know, we keep getting farther and farther away from the human. We used to be human resources. Now we're talent acquisition. And there's all these things that obscure us from, from the people. And, and, and we want to stay obscured from the people, but that's not working anymore. And we have to figure out how we're not only going to, um, start the relationship, start the conversation, start the engagement and what we're going to be leading to and how we're going to allow people to off ramp and on ramp at the right times for them. Right. It's, it's this, I look at all of this as a very complex highway. Um, that there are off ramps and on ramps because your life as a worker is so diverse and so, um, challenging and so exciting. And you have to have those, those things that really light you up inside. And so it's like, I always, um, I always laugh because I have, a um, my 13 year old has always been about mentally 40. And we had this, we had this moment a couple weeks ago where, um, he had some pain and I was listening to him and I was very much careful about like what he was saying to me and, and thoughtful. And, you know, when you have a teenager, everything hurts and they're tired and whatever, but this was different. And so I was listening to him. I was like, we're going to take you to the doctor. We're going to take you and get you some x-rays. And we get, we're driving home and we're sending him to PT. And he looks at me, he goes, mom, that's the sort of thing that just advances the relationship. You didn't just chalk this up to growing pains. You really listened to what was going on and you did something about it. So this is the sort, we have to find Find new ways to consistently advance the relationship. So we've got to figure out how to start it. And then we've got to figure out ways to advance it. I love that analogy. And I, and actually, I love what you just, what you just said there, because I will admit, um, I get very, I geek out a lot on the idea of, um, how do I create, um, create moments or understand the inflection points of moments where I can influence people to, to do things. And, and the, the relationship is part of that influencing strategy. I, I get that. I kind of geek out in that space because I, it's like a Machiavellian problem I have. But you just, <laughs> what you just said though, um, actually is, is um, a much more human way to think about this, which is how are you actually providing value in that yes. moment? What, yes. what is the, and that value proposition, right? And it's more than like a whole bunch of words like, hey, 
we're, we have ping pong tables, right? We're um, innovative. We're innovative, but the value proposition is actually in, in how you listen to people and react with something they need based on what you heard from them. Yeah. And for me, it's not about data collection, right? And you talked about this earlier, like, let's collect all these data, data points about the people that were interested in working for us. But then we collect the data and we forget to act upon it. So we're doing some semblance of listening in the guise of asking, right? We're getting the information. So we're obviously asking for it. But I don't think we're distilling that information. I don't think we're listening very closely for what they actually want. So this is going to become even more important for us as an industry, I think, as we start to um, move down the path of um, using algorithms and things like machine learning and artificial intelligence engines that are reliant on the data we collect to be mm-hmm. able to sort, organize, prioritize, match, et cetera, right? What's happening is, I'm noticing in my own organization, as we start to have these new technologies come into place, people are understanding that having more insight about people, right, data about people is going to make these engines more more feasible, more capable, do a better job. And I've been very um, focused over the last uh, couple of months around this idea of progressive profiling and how do we collect more data in these spaces to help us prioritize, sort, and organize, because I think that's essential to the pipelining process. Yes. But, what but what you're pointing out is, if you're already going down that path, make yourself aware of the fact that everybody's going down that path. And the place where you're actually going to stand out is not just in how you progressively profile to collect all that data to sort, organize, and prioritize. You do need to do that. But do it with a lens that says, how am I acting on that data, not just for my own purposes, which is for, for all my algorithms to work, but for the purposes and value of the person who provided it to me? How do I, how do I have a listening mechanism and, a, and, a, and something that actually provides action as part of that relationship back? That's a challenge. Yes. And that, and, but you'll see it time and again, that the, the companies and the organizations that are taking that, that data and understanding the insights, understanding the motivations, understanding the feelings and the emotions that people are going through in each stage of this prog, you know, at each stage of this experience, this process, whatever you want to call it, journey, blah, blah, blah. Um, insert marketing lingo here. <laughs> the more, the more you learn, the, the, it doesn't matter what you learn. You have to act on it. It doesn't matter what you learn. You have to act on it. But you have to learn it. Like, you have to learn it. It's important that you learn it. But you can't just learn it. It's not not valuable to your organization or or the human out there that might want to work for your organization if you have all this information and you just sit on it. Deliver value to both parties. Right. Because if you do that, you're being a sociopath. Correct. It's all about me and not about you. Right. Ooh, you just like laid down the gauntlet for me. Now I'm like, you're absolutely right. And and it's what I've been preaching on one hand, but not connecting the two dots together. And yeah. and that's and that is so. So our tenant is, if I'm understanding if I'm understanding this correctly, and guys, this is we all learn together, right? Yeah, keep and keep us honest. Keep us honest. Don't bullshit on any of this. Yeah. What do you think, right? But I think what we're pushing the envelope on here is saying, listen. We are evolving our understanding of how to build relationship for the value of both us and for candidates and contacts that we engage with. And to do that, we have to simultaneously be able to understand how to 
provide them opportunity to talk back to us mm-hmm. as well as have so for our own value, right? We need that information. Yes. But also in return, provide them value back by actively listening to what they say and taking action on it. And when we do that, we'll be building relationship and we'll be nurturing. So that's a challenge to all of us to figure out how do you do that? How do you do that um, uh, at scale, right? Um, and, and that's going to be a big challenge for all of us. How do you do yeah. that at scale? But that doesn't keep us from, as being individuals, having that in the back of our head and thinking, okay, I need to figure it out at scale at some point, but how am I doing that today as an individual? At a minimum, open up your damn LinkedIn thing and let people connect with you. Yes. Right? And, and respond and talk back to them. If yes. you're floating around on Twitter, I love your example of Delta. If you're floating around on Twitter and you're using it just to push your own information out there and you're not listening to people and responding in time to people, you yourself, forget what your company's doing. What are you yourself doing? If you're not doing it, you're not getting it. Right. And that's, I mean, Lynn, that's how change is made, right? So it's, it's one person or two people or a a small team making the decision that we're not going to do this anymore. We're going to do it a little differently and we're going to pilot it and we're going to look at the results. So, you know, I'm going to respond to people who respond to me on LinkedIn and Twitter, and I'm going to use my own email address on these automated campaigns and you'll look at your results and they're better. You'll have better quality people in your ATS, you'll have a better slate of candidates for your hiring managers. And then guess what? Oh, how did you do that? Is the question again. Well, you know what? It was really kind of simple. I just uh, responded. Um, Katrina Collier has a great book out right now, The Robot Proof Recruiter. Yes. Um, pl- I want to plug that as well. Um, if you guys get a chance to, to if you're listening to this podcast and and you want to go get that, it's a fantastic book. And it's, it's really along the lines of what we're saying here. It's just we are people working with people, and we have got to reintroduce that human element um, because where I have a personal belief that we've broken all this down because we've tried to make brands human, and brands are brands. Like, brands can't be human. It's not a thing. Like, don't even try to convince me right. that brands are human. Intel is a brand. Delta hey. Airlines is a brand. Right. There are humans that work for those brands, but it is not in and of itself. That entity is not a human. And so it's, it's a big disconnect. In fact, there's a ton of data, um, that talks about how engagement on a lot of platforms continues to bottom out for brands, but you'll see that the brands that take a more useful track, like I'm going to be useful. I'm going to respond to people. I'm going to help them. I'm going to be useful. Um, they have response rates that are five to 10 X. Um, their engagement is higher because guess what? They're building a relationship with you. It's very, it's, it's pretty straightforward. It works. Uh, Absolutely. Okay. I am loving it. This was actually a, um, I hope everybody else who's listening in are having kind of aha moments as well. I know I had some in this conversation. Um, most definitely. and, And I think, I think that's so, I think that's important, um, as professionals in this, space um, that we understand it's part of what we need to do is um, listen to each other and continue to evolve our ideas. So um, know that everything we're saying here, we're looking for you guys to tell us what you think as well and and what's your take on it and how would you iterate this even further um, in a way that makes sense and and, and helps us progress further as as a profession and provide more value. Um, to the people that we work with. I think that 
Um, if, if your goal is only to receive information, that's great. But where we really work better together is where we start sharing back and forth. Absolutely. Amen. So let us know what you think. Awesome. Thank you so much. I love this. This was a fabulous conversation. I this is a good, I really liked this. Thank you so much, Alin. Great topic. Awesome. Great. And we will talk to everybody um, next week. Absolutely. Bye. Take care. Bye. Well, that's it. That's another week of the RM Rebelcast. I'm Alin Bailey. My co-host is Tracy Parsons, and we are having a blast coming at you each week, shooting the shit about recruitment marketing and talent acquisition. Please reach out to us and join the conversation. You can reach out on our official podcast Twitter account at our Rebelcast, or you can also reach out to us personally and directly at Alin Bailey or at T Parsons. We want to engage and have a dialogue with you. Talk to us and we're going to talk back. That's exactly what we're hoping each of you will take out of this week's episode. As you go forward and start nurturing your candidates, remember nurturing is a two-way dialogue. It requires engagement and it requires you to care about the people on the other side. So go out there, have a conversation, answer some LinkedIn responses, Open up your email and put your response opportunities there. Let people talk to you and talk right back at them. Build relationships. Don't focus on transactions. Have a great week, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast.